Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. And happy Father's Day. Did you know, in Catholic countries in Europe, Father's Day is actually celebrated on March 19th as St. Joseph's Day, and they've been celebrating it that way since the Middle Ages. In the U.S., though, the nation's first Father's Day wasn't celebrated until June 19, 1910, by a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd, one of six children raised by a widower. She tried to establish an official equivalent to Mother's Day for male parents in the state of Washington. However, it wasn't until 1972, 58 years after President Woodrow Wilson made Mother's Day official, that the day honoring fathers became a nationwide holiday in the United States. Father's Day is the fifth largest card-sending occasion in America, with almost 100 million Father's Day cards sent annually. And the most popular gift for fathers is a necktie, with golf clubs and hammers coming in right behind them. I can't tell you how many ties I've bought for my dad over the years. Sometimes I think he waited to refresh his professional wardrobe until after Father's Day so that he could buy shirts to match the wacky ties we'd get him. My favorite present was one year when he was fully expecting a tie, but instead I put a remote control in a tie box and surprised him with a new TV. It's only after becoming a parent myself that I truly recognized the sacrifice that my father made for us how he must have agonized during those times of unemployment because all he wanted to do was provide for us. How he wrestled with guilt over having to choose between his work outside the home to keep us fed and safe or coming to our sporting events and family vacations. If he didn't do one, we couldn't do the other. I see it now, especially with my husband and his obligations to the army, and I respect him for it. We talk a lot about mothers having to work like they have no children and raise children like they don't work, about the mental balancing act that takes place minute to minute between self and serving others. But I think fathers are often overlooked in this regard. And I think because as a society, we viewed children as more dependent on the mother than the father, we've forgotten that men and fathers hold an equally important place in the family as the mother, that there's a lot of pressure put on fathers to both provide and be present. More than a quarter of the children living in the United States are growing up without a father. That number jumps to over 70% in the inner city, even though it's been shown statistically, sociologically, and psychologically that fathers have a massive role in positively impacting their children. They are an example of both masculinity and tenderness, a physical, earthly extension of God the Father. So how can we encourage and remind fathers of the value in their vocation? Today, I'm excited to introduce our new Director of Family Ministries, Adam Earhart, to discuss the role of the father in the family and how we can continue to grow steadfast in our faith. Adam, welcome to Candid Catholic Convos and welcome to the Diocese of Harrisburg. I'm really excited to have you as part of our team and be able to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm a husband and father. been married for 16 years. Uh, my wife, Lenny, and I, we have six children. So we live in Halifax, Pennsylvania. We just moved in, uh, just started here in April, end of April. So prior to that, I was director of evangelization and adult faith formation at a church in Arlington, Virginia, St. Charles Borromeo. 
Um, and then before that, a campus minister at St. Mary's Catholic Center at Texas A&M. So before the church roles, I did some various mechanical jobs. So I was an avionics tech uh, in the Coast Guard and then worked with U.S. Mint and a cal- as a calibration technician after that. So my career is varied and odd, uh, to say the least. But, you know, God works in mysterious ways, bringing us to uh, as a family to ministry roles within the church was something we probably never would have imagined, you know, like a lot of people that married today, like when we did marry, um, we didn't really have God in sight, you know, like we both had our backgrounds of some kind of religious upbringing, but at that point, we just really didn't invite him into our lives in a real way, you know, we didn't know his desire to be a part of our lives, or the gift of grace that he was offering to us. So it was after our years together and having a couple of children where I underwent my conversion experience. And, um, you know, in pieces, he just kind of led us deeper and deeper into the mystery of his love for us. And so that's that's it. That's where we're at now. That's how we got here. And, you know, it's all mysterious. Right. But we are where we are now. We're on, a, you know, talking about God on the podcast. So. That's amazing. And I love that you mentioned your your varied experiences. My husband is in the army. And oh, when we got married almost 11 years ago, that was not a thing. It wasn't yeah. even on our radar. Mm-hmm. And then one day we both lost our jobs. And my husband said, well, you know, this has kind of been on my heart for a while to join mm-hmm. the army. And it was just the opportunity. God presented the opportunity. Wow. So we took it. And that like was not in our game plan but it was in god's yeah so i love to hear that you guys were able to like fully open and embrace those opportunities when they were presented to you that's amazing and really glad that he guided you up here to talk to us i'm excited And, and you know it's it's beautiful because um marriage is such a blessing and when when husband and wife can come can gather around god's plan and god's vision for what it is it there's so much uh, wealth there, that, you know. So. Yeah. So six kids. Yes. A lot of wealth. <laughs> A lot of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you say that. I have three little boys. Okay. And the wow. other day we That's were awesome. at the store and the cashier. I'm the youngest of three boys. Are you really? <laughs> well, the cashier looks at us and she says, oh, man, you really have your hands full. And my response to her was, yes, but my heart is more full. That's right. That's because true. I don't think Praise people God. quite understand, you know, that, yes, it's a lot of work, but it's the best work you'll ever yes. do. So today we're talking about fatherhood. Yeah. And I obviously am not a father. I am a mother. But as I understand it, the definition of fatherhood is the state of actively educating, protecting, and providing for one's children, which is different than fathering a child or providing the other half of the DNA sequence. Mm. So how does the church define fatherhood? Yeah, this is a beautiful uh, question because it's such an opportunity here. Um, one of the things is fatherhood, you know, the temptation is it's such a natural thing. You know, um, there's you don't need a, you know, a lot of people joke, you know, you need a license to drive a car, to get, you know, do certain things. But you don't need a license to have a kid or something. Right. So it seems like a very natural kind of um thing right it just happens it's a result of something right an action or a decision etc um but there's mystery here right fatherhood something that's deeply spiritual as all things it's a human uh in, endeavor right it's a calling and so the church defines it as as it does all things through the lens of what jesus christ reveals to humanity right and so jesus is uh, relationship with the father and his revelation of who god the father is is the driving principle here for us as Catholics. The Father loves and he provides, and his will is for our greatest good in all things. And so, as all things, the definition of fatherhood is, is uh, it's wide and, and large, right? And it, and it fits within the context of the Catholic worldview. So, when we think of definitions, we have to understand the common language, right? We can define terms only if we understand those terms that are used to define something. So when it comes to fatherhood, we have to see it within the framework of a, of a Catholic understanding of reality. And I think this is where a lot of times we get, um, there's conflict here because we don't often see the world as it is in, in our modern kind of thinking, right? It's 
it is what it is. We see it, you know, um, we can only change things by way of policy or whatever, like we're, we're in control, right? Our technology, et cetera. But the reality is, uh, you know, life itself is uh, God's giving, right? To uh, beyond himself, right? Giving life to things and bringing out great, great good in the midst of his created uh, order. And this is part of our understanding of reality. Like this is what God's will is, that his love, in a sense, uh, lives beyond himself and participates back, like responds back to his love. Um, so we see fatherhood within this as a personal uh, response to this call, right? This living within the context of God's creation. Um, we're called to love the way he loves as, as men, right? We're called to participate in that in a full way. So we see fatherhood in the midst of this cosmic reality, right? There's drama of like all that is good unfolding before our eyes and the thwarting of that, which is sin. And so the father that we see is representing God. The father is someone that understands himself in the midst of this struggle, this drama, and sees his responsibility to respond with authentic love and gift of self. That's very powerful. I like that you talked about it being a gift of self because I, I do feel like as parents we tend to lose ourselves a little bit in the process but it's also a journey to finding who we're called to be mm -hmm. and sometimes there's that conflict of this isn't what I want to be but this is what God wants me to be yeah. and eventually we come to grow with it mm. if that makes sense I, yeah. I love how you phrased that yeah I read a statistic that one-fourth of the children in the United States are growing up without a father in the home. And in the inner city, that number jumps to over 70%. Mm. Why is it beneficial for children to have a father present in their lives? There's there's a lot to say about this, like a lot of uh, statistics that, that or, or sociological research and psychological studies that are done that show various ways that the presence of a father is a really positive thing. But I, I think one of the principles here of, of why it's so important is the principle of, of complementarity of the sexes, right? There's there's a reality that the, the way God creates, again, is there's a great variety in creation and there's an order to it. And so when we have the beauty uh, of the feminine genius, right, the, 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 the loving touch of a mother and the strength of a mother, which is different than uh, the strength of a father or the or the the awareness of a father or the presence of a father right mother and father complement one another in real ways so when one is not there you know the the child will suffer in some way right there's there's something about having both parents uh, mother and father there that that is ultimately that's the plan right that that now obviously there's we're, we live in a fallen world again and and there's there's conflict and pain and, and a, a choice, right? Sometimes we choose uh, not to to give of ourselves. And and um, so you can have mom and dad in the home and there could still be um, difficulties and dysfunction and things like this. But ne nevertheless, we look at what it is if, if both parents are rightly ordered and, and actually see themselves and, and, and accept their role as, as mother and father. We see that that is the greatest chance for a child to have. Uh, for flourishing, right? For that child to grow and, and know that they're loved. There's a way in which knowing that we're loved and being seen by both parents is is fundamental to who we are, right? So there's a way in which a father presents that uh, that dynamic that a mother cannot and vice versa, right? Just like there's ways a mother can do that, that a father cannot. Um, so the idea being that um, when one isn't present, the child will always, in a sense, be yearning to to have that contact, to dive into that or to be able to see himself or herself from the eyes of mom and dad, right? If one's absent, that desire doesn't go away. It's always there. And part of fatherhood is that, you know, it's, it's not like something that's apart from that man, right? It, it, it is really a part of who he is. And so the child is aware of that, right? Like, you know, statistically and sociologically and psychologically, all that. But like, if we look at the children, like, what do they, you know, they expect to be seen and to be loved. Like that, that's what they're, 
that's in their bones, you know. So when mom and dad are there doing that, it's 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 pivotal, right? Um, and again, dads offer things that that mothers don't, and vice versa. One of the things, like interesting things, is like you read studies on like the way dads play with kids is different than the way mothers play with kids, and so different things are learned in that. Different aspects of growth are acquired there. Um, one thing is like self-control because dad kind of pushes the limits and the kids, you know, inevitably bite or something. It's like, oh, well, that's too far. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like the dad, you know, pulls it out of the kid sometimes, you know, maybe for weal for woe and the limits of potty humor, you know, <laughs> you know, dads are, are pivotal there. So, you know, it's just the, the way there's all these interesting studies in, in that kind of regard. But like just that spiritual principle of like complementarity that God created us so that husband and wife can provide particular uh, images of his love and expressions of that love and together it's a it's a it's a united kind of front but it's complementary in that way you know one missing or one over i mean it could be exaggerated obviously and there's stereotypes and all these things but within that there's this beautiful kind of uh unity uh, in diversity um, that is is important it's part of our makeup and how we're made so Right. It's like like two pieces of a puzzle. Yeah. You never get the full picture if you're missing yeah, I, a piece or like maybe a piece is broken. It's like an unhealthy representation for the child. Absolutely. I, I think that's very powerful. And I think intuitively there's a sense of that missing. I don't think and, and you might not be able to articulate it, you know, especially if you're a young child. But um, there's a there's a loss. There's an absence there. And it's like if, if that's. It's an absence that's, you know, it's not like, like, again, it's not something you maybe put your finger on and say something's missing here. But it's an absence that is, is fun. It's like fundamental, right? Something's fundamentally missing, which enables a child or disables, I guess. But it, when both pieces are together, enables a child to see to see himself or herself, right? This is who I am. And this is my origin. This is these are my people. This is who I come from, and that's they're both there, right? Both of those parts. It's not just one, right? It takes two, right? Absolutely. Given the importance of a male fatherly presence, like we've talked about, complementing, and the startling statistics of how many children grow up without that, why is it that more men are not choosing fatherhood? Well, I look at my, you know, when I think about this question, I look at my early marriage and, and how that happened. So my wife and I, we had our first child out of wedlock. So we weren't married at the time. And it's easy again to think of, okay, like this is obviously a consequence of a decision and action, you know, or indecision sometimes, you know. And I think our vision of what fatherhood is and what children are and who children, I, I mean, it's it's got to be challenged you know a lot of times we we don't look at it in through the proper perspective so for instance like if it's just if a child obviously is a result of of certain actions and decisions or whatever and, and it's a result of something now you respond to that or it's a consequence let's say and you respond to it by way, all right i gotta get my stuff together right i gotta now provide or get a job and these are noble things yes you want to provide and and all these things but the reality is we're looking at the child as something we have to react to or like we have to change because of this. And we see it more as a result than we do as a, a source. Like a child is a gift, right? There's there's a particular way in which the human person is uh, engaged in God's inner life when they become a parent, right? There's something there that you participate in God's life in, in a very particular way, right? There's... There's a child becomes a source, right? Um, like a, a wellspring, let's say, of, of a call, right? It's It doesn't go away, right? It's there and it marks you indefinitely. There's no kind of turning it off or going back. And and we sometimes see this like, oh, I lost my youth or I lost my ability to do whatever I want or buy that thing or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to just be cynical. We love our kids and even outside the church, people love their children. So I'm not trying to like, Say, if you're not Catholic, you can't love your kids. What I'm saying is, like, when we see a child through the lens of, uh, you know, our faith, we understand that, you know, it's a call and it's a source of growth. And it's a way we engage with reality in a very intense, deep way. 
which is, you know, it, it stems from that spousal communion between husband and wife. And this is why, you know, we are a kid out of wedlock and my daughter Melody just turned 17, actually uh, on the 11th. So we're very proud of her. But, you know, when you have a child without understanding that spousal uh, sacramental reality, it can just be something now you're trying to like fit your life around. Life changes, you move things around. If you see it within the, the sacramental reality, right? Like God says, okay, that spousal desire in the human heart, it's like I'm led beyond myself, right? Because I see my wife, Renee. I'm led beyond myself because she's beautiful and, and, and I like her laugh and we laugh together, whatever it is, you know? That, that romantic kind of urge outward is a beautiful thing. It's good, but it bears with it great gravity and responsibility, right? Because that's another person. Right. That desire that deserves love, like authentic love, not to be used or whatever, but real love. So that requires commitment and conviction that your goodness is is so good. Right. That I just want to be a part of it. Right. I just want to serve it. Right. And that's great. But that's a call beyond oneself. And so fatherhood. Right. Stems from from this. Right. This is the call. Right. And it, it becomes like an outgrowth, a growth of that. It, it becomes a maturing of that, that when you say that, yes. And you, you, you say you're so good. I want to be a part of that. I want to serve that. I want to be one with that. That union brings about more life, ideally. Right. Or hopefully or, or the way God planned it. Right. It brings about more life. And that love becomes, you know, there's that like cheesy poem, like, you know, to have a child, to have your heart they walk outside your body, right? Mm, something like that. Yep. I'm paraphrasing, terrible <laughs> paraphrase. But it's but it's real. Like that's real, right? Like so that that's a a result, right, of your love. And yet it's not just yours, right? That's another person. Right. And so there's this source of great inspiration and all. Like this is amazing reality here. And so that person is not just a thing that I have to take care of or like a circumstance or something that it becomes an, another life, right? That you care for that tempers all that is in you that says life is about me, right? It tempers all that's in you that drives you towards selfishness, just like that spousal, you know, urge outward does. A child urges you beyond yourself. And that's either a great good or it's an enemy to our freedom, the way we want to look at it, right? And the church says, no, it's a great good, right? That that engagement of reality that that is not self-interested, but is disinterested, is 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 moved beyond itself toward the good of others, is where love can flourish, right? And love that you know we pour ourselves out. And that's, you know, that's the call and that's the challenge. But in a world where we don't see it like that, it's hard to choose it. Because it seems just like another circumstance or another thing that's competing for my attention or a reality that is thrust upon me because of some decision I made or action and it's a consequence and now I got to deal with it by way of shifting gears or working harder, you know. And it, I really think like our perspective matters, right? Like how we see things. You know, if we just see it as that, then it's like, oh, I'll just delay having kids until... You know, I'm ready to settle down. And by settle down, we mean like we've kind of like thrown in the towel and we've lived what we want. We've done all the good stuff. And now that we're ready, just kind of like, okay, we'll just. Settle. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Um, it's a part of our growth, the integral growth as human beings. It's part of the plan. Um, and it's great pain for like families that are trying to conceive and cannot. Um, and it, there's pain there because there's a great good here, right? And that's a whole other story and and we have to be sensitive to that as well but there's there's power here um it's a source of great strength and renewal and growth um and a calling to authentic love to to love the way god loves um and how can you pick that up how can you choose that and say yes to it and rejoice in that or celebrate it if you don't see it as that right and it's and so part of it is i think um I think sometimes we're not able to make the choice because the choice is, uh, you know, between the false understandings of what it means to be human and alive and free and successful and whatever it is. Uh, the, the real choice is, you know, how can you, how are you called to love authentically as a human being, right? And that's where we approach it as Catholics.
Right. I like that you mentioned that it feels like for some people that maybe they have to give up on their dreams. And mm -hmm. I, I agree that it's 100% about mindset. You can see it as, oh, I have to close this book or mm -hmm. I get to start a new chapter. Right. And speaking from personal experience, I feel like I get to do more now that I'm a parent. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I feel like I've gotten to experience so much more, you know, maybe I haven't gone to Europe yet, but nobody said I can't, right. you know, there's no, there's nothing that says you can't take a child to Europe with you kind right. of thing. They don't have to miss, you don't have to miss out on certain things. It's a lot about your mindsets. So I really love that you, you brought that up. So fatherhood is considered like a vocation and in the church, a vocation is more than just a job or a role. But many modern day fathers have jobs outside of the home in order to provide for their families. And sometimes there's an overlap where one job or role can seem more important than the other. So what is the true job of a father and how can he reframe his purpose to reflect that? Another great question. All right. So again, if it's about perspective or at least placing this conversation within the context of a Catholic worldview, because it, it does matter, right? So if we say, as Catholics, we believe that man and woman, right, are created for an ultimate good, which is communion with God, right? There's an end, not an end like a period or something, but like an end toward which we're moving and made. And it's and it's the way we're wired. It's, we're made for this. Um, so when we're talking about ends, we're talking about our greatest good, our greatest happiness, right? And we believe that's communion with God, right? Ultimately, it's, it's holiness, right? And there's this uh, understanding that holiness is just for, you know, saints and books or holiness isn't for me, maybe for the clergy or whatever. It's not for like the lay man and woman. Um, but no, like we're made for holiness and holiness is our happiness. We'll be happy in as much as we're with God. And so the father's role um, is to, always i th i think keep that in mind like i think that's one of the first things is the role is if we're not as fathers if we're not receiving this reality and we're not believing it right we're not going to be able to have the vision or have that kind of our, our eyes set on that so it's like we're setting that as our goal as a family that's our goal is holiness now this is difficult because holiness isn't isn't some, it's not like something you can like can a program like, all right, you do this program, you'll be holy. Like I see it and I, I, I'm not trying to just be, I am being facetious, but you know, it's like this idea in Catholic culture today. It's like if, if your kids, you know, let's see what, I don't know, this might come off wrong, but they're wearing bow ties and reciting Virgil and Latin, they're holy, right? And that's not necessarily the case, right? Holiness is as uh, unique as each individual, right? Everybody has a personal story, a calling different strengths, different weaknesses that they're going to have to combat, right? Each child is different. So the father's role is to understand what he's called to, what his wife's called to, what his children are called to, and to pray, like, with a beggar's heart. Like, God, I can't provide every single thing, right? Like, I, I can try my best to lead. I can have the understanding of what they're called to, and I can present it to them, and I can challenge them to it, and I can call them to it, and I can say it and teach it and, and be an example. And yet, I can't, like, make them choose you. Right? Because ultimately, holiness is communion with God. And as we talked about earlier, it is this idea that uh, the authentic human flourishing is responding to God's invitation to love, right? And and being one with him in Christ Jesus, with the promptings of the Holy Spirit and a life of grace and the sacrament. We can do our best as fathers to expose our children to that, right? But that has to be something that we see as a great good, of great value. And so our role is to bring our children to that, right? And to lead them to that. And yet we can't make them say, yes, Jesus, right? I believe in you. I love you, right? Because that has to come from them. So I think, you know, you mentioned providing for a family and all and, and going to work. And these are good things. But ultimately, I find in my own life, in my own past, there's there is a sense of like, if I'm going to be great, 
you know, I, I want to be successful. Or I want to be known. I want to, you know, be heard or whatever. And I'm not saying those are necessarily, you know, intrinsically just immoral or evil. These are promptings, you know, these are desires in the heart to, to contribute. But I think the temptation is to overemphasize what happens elsewhere, to be elsewhere. Even if it's for my own family's good, I'm thinking about when they're 37 and they're like seven years old, right? Like that's elsewhere. Like obviously we want to provide for things that are to come, but like, are you going to like play Legos with your seven-year-old? You know, are you going to be present to them? Or like, is it really important to be the most successful person in your office as opposed to being able to just enjoy really, really, really good, natural, small things with your children. There's something there, right? And I think that's a temptation that will always be there. And I think it comes down to like what inspires us. And I think this this role of the father, this job of the father, is to like lead a life of wonder, ultimately. So our kids can taste that, right? It's like I'm on a journey with the Lord, always. He's revealing things to me in my prayer. Are they aware that dad's experiencing that? How are they aware? Now, if they're three, obviously there's a difference here. But as they grow, are they being made aware that there's a story here? There's an adventure here. And the dad's like, let's go. Come along, right? And then meanwhile, trying to cultivate that space where they start to choose to, to enter into that adventure themselves. It sounds like, again, I'm not a father, but leading with empathy it's mm. it's a very delicate yeah. balancing act it between is. providing in the earthly world but also being able to provide the pathway needed to get mm. to the ultimate goal yes and i think sometimes even working mothers lose sight of mm. the light at the end of the tunnel it yeah. becomes how do i just get through this tunnel yes and then you get to the end and you're like oh wait I missed everything. That's such a good point. Yes. And, and I think that's like having that tunnel vision could be the other temptation too, right? It's like there are really good things in life. I mean, like truly good, beautiful, powerful things. And we're, we're in many ways like numbed to it because of everyone's on this device or that, you know, you going from one event to the other because these are things that you can prepare for, things that are somewhat in our control. But there's you know, life swelling all around us, right? Like, you know, we, we just moved to Halifax. There's this beauty of creation out there, right? The hills and the mountains and the birds. Like, there was one night, uh, it was like recently, and I and we, we suffer from these things I'm talking about. I'm talking about because I'm trying to convince myself about this, okay, Rachel? But like, we have a couple kids that are teens and it goes down to toddlers, right? So there's this times where like everyone needs their own personal space and it could be, in you know people are fighting and nagging it's like oh my gosh we can't the same things over and over again right we're we're talking about the same things guys and it's getting old right and so everyone's like one person's on an ipad the other kid's playing like uh, electronics or something the tv's on and my wife and i looked at each other i said we gotta shut everything off and she's like all right i said yeah shut everything off let's go outside and it was nighttime it was like i think 8 8 30 or something the littles the littler ones were already sleeping so three of us, so Melody, Alistair, and Jude, and my wife and I, three of us, five of us, three children, we went out back to our deck. It's like a small little space out there. And the stars were out. And it was like, you know, there's like restlessness, right? Because you're coming off of these devices. Everybody's, and my son's like, I don't like bugs, you know, he's out there. And he's like, and uh, we're sitting and, you know, joking and sitting there looking at the stars. And like after like 10, 15 minutes, all of a sudden, like, there we are. It's us and the stars, right? And it's good. And there's small talk and there's laughing. and There's some silence too, and that's okay. We didn't orchestrate and plan and, you know, do all these things to like set this stage for a perfect evening. We kind of just said, all right, let's shut everything off and like force togetherness right now. Now, it doesn't always work, you know, but at this particular instant, it was the only thing to do. It was the thing. And I felt it as I was out there. I felt like this is good. Like this is the moment. This is what we were called to this moment. And all we're doing is sitting out under the stars as a family. And like with all our idiosyncrasies and our faults, 
and our you know desires to be elsewhere right the, our hatred of bugs and our wanting to just go back inside after that kind of goes away it's us and the stars right and god's good earth and that's a good thing and so like can we as fathers and as mothers like love good things truly and then usher our kids into them you know welcome them into those moments i mean if we start to look at life like that i mean those those opportunities are everywhere you know, we don't have to like do a billion and different do a billion different things to just kind of please our kids. No, you just have to turn off and lean in. Yeah. And you know, like I said, we're guilty as many other American families, you know, or families around the world. And we we struggle with that. That's a constant temptation because it's easier to, you know, just turn the TV on and just get get the dishes clean, right? And we do it. And I'm, I'm not very guilty of that. Yeah, and I'm, de- I'm not demonizing it. <laughs> no, I think we sometimes we demonize things. We vilify them in a way. Like obviously, like there's always too much, right? It's like everything in moderation. You know, it could be bad, right? It could be bad for flourishing. But that, that's not the thing. Like the thing we need to look at is what's the opportunity we're missing. Like that's that's where life happens. That's where things click. That's where you know it's like you know we step forward together. Like, that's what it's all about. And it could happen in, like, just, again, sitting outside with the stars and hearing, you know, laughing at each other that is being annoyed by the bugs or something. It's good. It's a good thing. I love that. That's beautiful. So who can we look to in the church as a good example of fatherhood? Typical response would be, obviously, in Scripture, there there are examples. Recently, just kind of reexamining St. Joseph's life and his example. Um, And I'm not minimalizing i'm saying that that's what we typically hear and that's a good answer right like saint joseph or um uh, abraham right or or biblical figures the virtue of the saints is something that we we strive to uh, imitate right like right now my wife and i we're we're reading this book 40 weeks together and it's like a personal story prayer like it's through nation spirituality and it's important right to look at saint Ignatius' life and how he how he leans into prayer i think Examples of fatherhood for us, for good examples of fatherhood are, are examples that are men and women that lead prayer lives that are ultimately rooted in the reality of, of who God is, right? Uh, people that show us what humility uh, looks like, like real humility, not just like, oh, I'm not good enough, but humility like, I see your goodness, God, and it, and it fills me with wonder and awe. And I know that I'm not you, and I want to um, be in relationship with you, and I want to uh, bow before you, right? I want to be yours, and I want you to be with me and, and guide me. Like that's that's an example. That's an imitate. That's a model we should strive to imitate. So it, uh, maybe not particularly the saint who's a father, right? But like just any saint, right? That is living in that relationship with God. That is where we need to be as fathers. Um, but I also think there's a lot to say for like other men in our lives, like in the church, like other families, like trying to live life together with other families that are striving for the same thing. Like we need more of that, right? Like as dads, like you might not be in a model to follow, like, oh, I want to be just like that guy. But like just seeing that another father is like, you know, praying for his family, praying with his family, trying to fight that good fight, you know, that's inspiring. Right, because we're brothers in that fight, and and we need each other. And I I've encountered that in Texas when I went down to Texas, and there was all these like families and and two guys in particular that are good friends of mine, Thaddeus and and Travis. Like they, these are two men that like different jobs, different kind of places within the church, ministry or not ministry, but they're Catholic men that pray deeply about their vocation as husbands and fathers. And they see that as the crop, as the matter at hand, the task at hand, right? That is the thing of life. That is the stuff of life. And they're trying to work that out with fear and trembling. And that in itself so it makes it more real. You know, it's like, okay, these, these guys are in it too. We're in this together. And all of our families have faults and we struggle. Like no one's got it figured out. And it's okay. So it's like we have models of fatherhood that are, like we should imitate or models of just sanctity that we should imitate. Because again, I think it's all about Holiness. If we don't desire God, like if we're not like God, I want, I want you, right? If we're not doing that, anything we do, plan, 
orchestrate, you know, we can send them to the best classical Catholic school. You know, these are all good things. But that's not where it's at, right? Where it's at is relationship with God, right? And how can we cultivate that space within our own hearts so that we can then say this is real and it's being lived and you're, you're invited into it, right? So any kind of saint that inspires you, I think, is a good place to start, but also, you know, um, scriptural figures. And, you know, lastly, just other other people in our church that we, we look to and say, you're doing the thing too, you're striving too. Um, let's walk in that together. It could just be conversation every now and then, a cup of coffee. You know, let's be real. Like, let's talk about, you know, the things we struggle with. And to see that another person can like walk beside me in that. Like we can't, I th we can't like minimalize the, the, the encouragement and the inspiration that, that we can draw from that. You're not alone. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes like while the typical answers, like which are good answers, like look at biblical figures because the living word of God, we can pray and reflect and be led deeper. Um, the saints lives imitating these great virtues and these people that show, wow, like being in love with Christ looks like this, right? These are good things. But also that third piece of just like, as it is lived right now, here and now, in the midst of our imperfections and our faults and not having it all together, what does it look like? Am I alone in this? Is it worthwhile, right, at the end of the day? And to be there with others in that support. I think that's really powerful to have like a physical person that you can relate to because yes, absolutely look to, you know, St. Joseph and the mm -hmm. saints and everything. But it's like you said, it's, it's different when you can like call somebody up on the phone and say, I'm really struggling mm -hmm. with this. Or, you know, are your kids acting like jerks like mine are today? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you, absolutely. how do I handle the this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I yeah. love that. Cause you know, moms, especially new moms, like we have new mom groups, like mm -hmm. where we all get together and do that because Back in the day, it used to be a village, mm -hmm. and we could rely on our village for help. But men don't really have that. Mm. And I feel like that is something that that they need. And I, I love your example of looking to somebody in the church, like in your church community and finding mm. that community. That's excellent. So earlier we talked about having the different pieces of the puzzle and how m mothers and fathers can complement each other. And also how many children are without a father figure. There have been multiple studies on the impact of fathers or lack thereof mm. within the family. And they've been done by both secular and Catholic psychologists. There's terms like father complex or daddy issues, which are very common in modern psychology and actually date all the way back to the turn of the 20th, 20th century. For those who maybe have a difficult relationship or a strained relationship or an unhealthy relationship with their father, how can we rely on God as our father too? Mm. I think this has to deal with, first of all, looking at um, our relationship with Christ. I mean, and this is something we see Jesus doing all the time. He's always like talking about the father, pointing to the father. And I think in our lives as as Catholics, right? Like we will have imperfect father. I'm, I'm one of them, and we will have wounds. Like you, know, you can think of harsh words or like some kind of habitual kind of difficulties that prop up in families. Like there's always this conflict or whatever. There's always conflict resolution and stuff. These things we don't know how they kind of bury deeply within our kids, right? Like oh, I grew up with this complex because my dad always said you're not doing enough or something, right? And we might say that's like it's just a habit. And our kids kind of swallow it. But Jesus shows us his father and welcomes us into that relationship. And I think as we grow into that, you know, as baptized Catholics, we grow into this relationship in pieces, right? We don't have the whole picture like laid out before us. And sometimes we don't intentionally think of the father. I don't know if this happened for you or if this is part of your life, but like for me, when I first came back to the church, I knew I always marked myself Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I kind of would pray the words of like, obviously the Our Father, and I would kind of welcome the Father into some kind of my consciousness in some ways. But I never actually thought of me being with the Father. 
Like that wasn't part of my prayer life typically. Like I would I would think, oh, I don't pray the Father, I pray to Jesus and he kind of right. You want to be seen in a certain way. You want to present yourself in a certain way. And as a guy, you think, how do I want to present myself? And I'm praying like like my dad was a Philly fireman for 37 years. Great guy, but also very like, you know, stoic. You know, he can get through it and do do a hard day's work and tough guy. My brother was like an amateur boxer, you know. I'm the youngest of three boys. I like poetry and stuff like that. So like I always like wanted to like present myself as being one of those like stoic, tough, you know, in that way. Now there wasn't that there was any like traumatic kind of event, but this idea that like my I my view of what is masculine, what a man looks like, is ultimately pulled out of my experience of other men that are influential in my life. And that's a reality, right? But in some sense, like that's that's not like the summation of masculinity or what it means to be a man. And obviously my brother and my dad, they have other great attributes as well. But those are things that, you know, as a kid, I think you stick to because they're like the things you see and you want, you want to imitate. You want to be seen like that. And so I'm praying in adoration and there was this like realization that all of a sudden I was before the father. And he was speaking to me. And he said, you want to be looked at like this. This is the strength that you admire. You, the fireman's strength. The boxer's strength. The soldier, whatever. Like, you want to be seen like that. He said, but that's not how I see you. That's not the strength that I've given you. Right? Like, I've, I gave, I've given you a different strength, Adam. You have a space within yourself that you can engage with other people's suffering, right? There's there's a place within you where you can actually be with people that are suffering. Like you can you can empathize, you can be there. And it sounds silly, but like in that moment, I was like sobbing, right? Because the reality was like I felt like I was seen in a way that I wouldn't allow myself to be seen. Right? Like there was something there that I would I wouldn't have selected for myself. Right, like I wanted the other one. It looks cooler. <laughs> oh, that one. And if I was in like the candy shop of like different ways of like looking at being like a man or being whatever, I might have picked another one. But his point was like, that's not how I see you, and not how I made you. Right, and that's this. That's the greatest strength I could have given you. Like that's your strength. Like that's who you are. Right, and so God the Father looks at us. His gaze is in tent and it's on us right and that gaze is not just like a passive gaze right it's a gaze that creates that gives us our very selves and there's a lot of stuff obscuring that there's a lot of walls we place in front of that but god the father gives us our identity right he tells us who we are in christ right and jesus is pointing to him right he's 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 making that relationship possible. He's because we don't trust, right? Because we've been hurt, we've been disappointed. We don't trust that there's possibly a father out there that loves us that way, whose gaze can can see through all the stuff we put up, all the masks and all that, and not just see it, but say this is good and de and delight in it, and enable us to for once quit the wine and, and start to delight in what God has given us, right? And what's there to cultivate? What's there to receive? So it, it, it is, there's healing here, right? It's not a matter of, it can't be seen outside of the context of trust and relationship and vulnerability. Like there's piercing here, vulnerability, right? Being woundable, right? We can be wounded. We are wounded. But God wants to heal those wounds and show us who we really are. Jesus is always pointing to the Father so that we can receive that. But it takes time and it takes trust and it takes relationship with Jesus Christ, inspiration with the Holy Spirit. It takes prayer. You know, um, there's a lot vying for our attention. And there's a lot of things we can just say, oh, I'll take this on to myself. And this is who I see myself as or a lot of images and things. Because we do receive them from the people around us. It's in a particular way, as you mentioned, through our dads, our fathers, because this is who you are. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more to say about that. But just this idea of like receiving our identity 
um, and being free and saying, yes, this is who I am and it is good. That only really comes to the light when we allow ourselves to be, uh, to encounter God the Father and Jesus Christ. Right. I like how you mentioned control because, you know, as flawed human beings, we, we think we need to control mm-hmm. everything. But when we surrender to the grace of God is when we can be shown exactly mm-hmm. who we are and what we are capable of. I, I love that. So I understand that the world meeting of families is coming up through the Vatican and Rome. What is the world meeting of families and will the Diocese of Harrisburg be participating? Yeah, so the world meeting of families is a, is a gathering, right, um, of, of various um, experts and um, laymen and women and families that are part of an overall kind of movement of, of bringing greater awareness about the value of family life um, to the world. So that like, for instance, there's some lay apostolates that are in the United States that are invited to go and give like a discussion on what it means to be a family or something. So it's this intentional kind of gathering so we can just lean into what it means to be a family in the midst of a fallen world and a family that's on mission ultimately. Right, there's a vocation for the family as well as for each individual, right? Like, what is our calling as a family? Um, and how do we live that out? So that's the idea behind this particular one. This is the 10th World Meeting of Families happening in Rome. It starts on June 22nd, ends on June 26th. Um, and because, you know, I got here at the end of April, we don't have any, like, events or anything like that across the diocese, but we are participating. Like, there, there's a, a the uh, Vatican has a webpage where you can sign up and participate virtually. So like cool. all the discussions will be like live and filmed and things like this. So you just sign up, you can get the app or you can sign up and participate by way of like watching via uh, the internet. Um, and, you know, there's panel discussions and things like that. There's also like a festival for families that will be aired and, and the mass and, and all these things. So it's just, we're, so what we did was we have on the Dawson webpage, we'll have that link and, and uh, hopefully in the bulletins, we'll have it out to, to remind families to go uh, sign, sign up, sign on, and, and participate in, in the ways they can at, from their homes. Hopefully, maybe families feel inspired to, you know, maybe just have a dinner together and watch one of them or something. Who knows? Maybe get together and, and do something like that. The next one, hopefully, we'll have more things going on that people can participate in a more, you know, physical way or a more, you know, proximate way. Awesome. Well, that sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited to check it out. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. And I really hope that this touches fathers this Father's Day weekend and anybody who is on the journey of becoming a father. And I wish you a happy Father's Day as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.